Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday on this Friday, August the 14th in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and because we're still not yet in the studio, we can't take phone calls, but we do receive emails. In fact, we receive a lot of emails, and you need to understand that KFUO is not only something where we give out information about Lutheranism, but it's also a vehicle by which many people become Lutherans. In fact, I have received uh, so many emails over the years, I can count about just over 400 people that have written me indicating that they decided to become Lutheran from listening to Law and Gospel. And yet, I, I don't think my program is the one that brings in the most Lutherans. Issues Etc. has been doing that for years, as well as other programs. So that's the goal of KFUO. And that's why we encourage that you would support Law and Gospel with your finances so we remain on the air as well as send out material to those who are really trying to understand Lutheranism. In fact, uh, a few years ago, I was asked to speak at one of the items where we had a meal for contributors to KFUO. And I went through some of the emails. One of them was from an ELCA pastor. Now, this is a pastor who had not heard about law and gospel. So we are making an impression. But I, I get around 200 emails a day. No, they're not all about my program. In fact, I just got one address to Law and Gospel at KFUO talking about how I can reduce my dress size by two. So we get a lot of spam. And maybe out of the 200 emails, there may be 10, maybe 15 that I make copies of uh, because it is important for the program. So today we're going to be talking about uh, two emails we received. One is from Robert, and here's what he writes. Hi, Pastor Baker. Here are some thoughts regarding the program on August the 7th. Now, that was an open mic Friday. The thoughts are in quotes because I either read or heard them. Both were absolutely noteworthy. Here's the first thought. God gives, the gift is received. Faith is a gift given, and faith is a gift received. God is always giving out of nothing, just like creating the heavens and the earth out of nothing. So that's the first quote that impressed Robert. And of course, where did I get that from? I, I got that from studying at the seminary. And the idea that faith is a gift was a, a big point by a Professor Nagel, and I had him for a course on the Lord's Supper. 
So I just kind of repeat what I think is noteworthy that I've either heard or read. And that was the first statement. Regarding promises, the second statement, you don't do promises, you believe promises, as written in John 1.13, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, that is a really important quote. In fact, uh, my good friend Wes Reimnitz has placed a task upon himself in going through the many years that we have been on KFUO and finding quotes of mine that have been instrumental in helping people understand the Lutheran point of view and perhaps coming to a decision that they need to be Lutheran, which leads us to our next email. Uh, The first email ends, grace and peace from Bob. So we thank Bob for writing that email. The, The second email is from a man named George. Now, how did I get to know George? Well, one of our regular listeners phoned me as to how to donate some funds to Law and Gospel, and in the process told me that he had been talking to a good friend of his, who is Roman Catholic, and asked him to start listening to Law and Gospel. Now, his name is George, and here's what he writes. Well, what I did, by the way, I phoned George, and we had a lengthy conversation where he was talking about the difference it makes to understand Lutheran theology. And he still had some questions. So this is the email. Dear Pastor Tom, thanks so much for the call. My continuing question is, by grace I have been saved through faith. This is a gift from God, not of works, and we then cannot boast. Now, I'm just guessing this is because of what and how Paul teaches. Do all other faiths base heaven on works? I do not want to believe that heaven is based on works works. Well, if you're talking about a faith, no, not all faiths, particularly in Protestantism, base salvation on works. In fact, just yesterday, uh, we had talked about a individual who is against legalism, that is salvation by works. And he said, It began when Jews said Gentiles becoming Jewish or part of Israel need to be circumcised. And unfortunately, he went on and said that continues today, not so much with circumcision, but one of the examples he gave was baptism. As though baptism is our work, 
Well, that's not true at all. Baptism is God's work. That, that's like saying that a child who's adopted into the family, that that was his work, that he became a member of the family. No, he may have been an infant, maybe say three months old. The child did not request to be adopted. He did no work in being adopted. It was instead a decision on the part of parents and a judge who declared him to be adopted. That's how you need to look at baptism. Baptism is a decision by God. In, in fact, in and I've said this a number of times, Peter's sermon at Pentecost, the people realize they have put to death the Messiah. What can they do? Well, Peter doesn't tell them what they can do. He tells them what God can do. Be baptized. And that's in the passive, which means it's not an action that you do to save yourselves. It is an action that God does on you to save you. So George is really correct that heaven is not based on our works we do by means of our natural self. And he does not want to believe that heaven is based on works. In fact, in our conversation, he was really concerned about whether he could even be saved. Because in Roman theology, there are three things you have to do to make sure that you are forgiven. You have to confess your sins, you have to be sincere about that confession and try not to sin again. And you have to give satisfaction. Now, the satisfaction often is iterated by the priest. Say, 10 Hail Marys and 10 Lord's Prayer. Or maybe going out and helping someone. But they give you penance. We Lutherans don't believe in penance, which is a work we do to kind of offset the gravity of our sin. And we certainly don't believe in purgatory, which is a place to help pay off your temporal sins. Your, your regular sins in Roman Catholic theology were forgiven at the cross. Uh, that's what a lot of Protestants don't realize. That's what Roman Catholic churches teach. However, you have temporal sins and you need to offset them. And that's why purgatory is the place that most people go until they're offset. So, George continues, I do not want to believe that heaven is based on works, but it does make me discern if so many faiths base heaven on works, do the Lutherans have something wrong? And I truly hope not. Well, I would say if you talk to most Protestants, they, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, they would say, no, heaven is not based on my personal works. But then they do things where it sounds like heaven is based on their personal works. Like, for example, 
denying baptism to little children or by saying the way that you get saved is you have to invite Christ into your heart. Now, that's a work that we do, but that doesn't save anybody because no unbeliever would ever want to invite Christ into their heart because they're unbelievers. They don't believe in what Jesus has done. So back to the question, do the Lutherans have something wrong? And I truly hope not. No, even at the time of Luther, there were not only the Roman Catholics, but others who spoke against what Luther was teaching as a correct summary of the Bible. There was a man named Zwingli, who is spoken about as being the grandfather of the Reformed movement. And we talked about that, that the Reformed churches, uh, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, and those that follow Calvin, who did a more precise job than did Zwingli in convincing the French and the English to be reformed. The Germans pretty well stayed with Lutheranism. The fact of the matter is they believe that a person is saved not by means of external means like baptism, the Lord's Supper, absolution, but rather by feeling in their heart that they have been saved. And so their whole process is an attempt to help people get saved so they get that feeling in the heart. Well, we don't believe that. We believe the assurance of our salvation comes not from what I'm feeling in the heart, but the promises of God. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So there are many passages that show the importance of the visible sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. All right, so that was George's first question. Here's a second one. Besides God the Father, Papa, his son Jesus, and the Spirit, my advocate, is Paul your main human in your Lutheran faith? Now, I, I know how George may have gotten that impression because I believe, as was taught by seminary professors, that the best New Testament book to help you understand what is meant by salvation, by grace, through faith, are the writings of Paul and particularly the book of Romans. In fact, it was the book of Romans that moved Luther from Roman Catholic thinking to Reformation thinking. What was the point? It's very clear from the Bible that to get to heaven, you must be righteous. But just go and ask anybody, what does it mean to be righteous? And they will tell you, it means that you are a very, very good person and that you hardly sin at all. That definition of righteousness is what really causes a lot of concern 
on the part of Christians because they confess, as we do in the Lutheran Church, that we're such poor, miserable sinners that we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal death. Then what is this righteousness that we need to have that saves us? And as indicated by the previous email, righteousness is a gift given to us that we do not have until it is given. And what is that gift? It's the righteousness of Christ. This is huge because we speak of it as the glorious exchange. At our baptism, Jesus takes upon himself our sin. He pays for it. He dies for it. And when we say he pays for it, he paid the price. Curse is anyone who hangs on a tree. And Jesus became sin, not just at the cross. He voluntarily became sin at the baptism of John the baptizer. Because that was a baptism of repentance. And even John was really confused. He says to Jesus, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not to be baptized by me. I'm to be baptized by you. But Jesus says, no, in order to fulfill all righteousness. What is Jesus talking about? The fulfillment of righteousness occurs when one hears the gospel message of Jesus Christ or is baptized and receives two gifts, the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the forgiveness of sins is a gift that forgives sins you commit. And what the gift of the Holy Spirit brings with him is taking care of good works that we're supposed to do and we don't do, sins of omission, both the sins of commission and the sins of omission are covered by the blood of Christ because you now have his righteousness. On judgment day, God will regard you as righteous, not because by your own works you are righteous in them all the time in never doing a sin. In fact, what does Jesus say in John? I'm the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. That's why we always are talking about in Christ. One of the best magazines out there is The Good News, uh, done by Wallace Schultz. And he had a whole publication on in Christ and explain that it is in Christ that we have died to sin, that we have been raised from the dead. And according to Ephesians, we also are at the right hand of God. How so? Because Jesus ascended to the right hand of God. And 
we are part of the body of Jesus. He is the head. You may be a foot, an arm. Those are all metaphorical explanations of how none of us are the head. And and that's unfortunate because a lot of false teachers think they are the head. Uh, take a look at every religion outside of Christianity. I'm not talking about the Christian ones, the non-Christian. Find one that does not tell you what you have to do in order to be saved. And I will have to change what I believe because there isn't one that doesn't say that. So this email from George and my conversation with him, it was so obvious that he kept talking about the comfort he now receives because of proper biblical theology, because it not only forgives your sins, but gives you that robe of righteousness. One of the things that some Protestants don't like about Lutheranism, we look too much like Roman Catholics, like we'll kneel when the word of Jesus is spoken, we may cross ourselves, we wear vestments. Now, what are those vestments? Uh, I wear a lot of times a cassock, which is dark, and on top of it, a surplus. The cassock refers to my sin. The surplus refers to that robe of righteousness that I as a pastor have on. That isn't because I am a pastor. No. Unlike Roman Catholics that believe pastors, when ordained, receive an indelible character so that they are able to take bread and wine and change it into the body and blood of Christ. We do not believe that. We believe that a pastor has no power to have the body and blood of Christ in with and under the bread and the wine, but he has the authority to do so on the basis of Christ's own words. Take eat, this is my body. Take drink, this is my blood. Now we don't try to explain how that happens from a scientific point of view or a philosophical one as do Roman Catholics with transubstantiation. They believe when the priest says those words, the substance of the bread and wine kind of disappears and is replaced by the substance of Christ's body and blood. No, we believe that a Christian who properly receives the Lord's Supper is receiving four items. He or she is receiving the bread, the wine, and in with and under that is the true body and blood of Jesus Christ here on earth, unlike many of the Reformed who believe that his body and blood is up in heaven. And therefore, if we commune, it is kind of on the basis of believing that Jesus is in heaven. No, 
He's right here on earth. And that's what he says. So we don't question it. We don't try to answer it. We simply do what he says, just like at the baptism of an infant. We baptize the infant into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely convinced that our words are the words of God himself. So what I wanted to do today is indicate to you how important emails are uh, sent to the various programs here on KFUO and what a difference KFUO is making in the lives of people. Many who leave the denomination they're in as they begin to discern that a lot of times a pastor gives the impression that what you do will get you to heaven. No, it was wonderful having a phone conversation with George because he was delighted and comforted by the theology of the Lutheran Church. And we continue with that theology on Monday when we'll be taking a look at the readings for the following Sunday. And once more, we're going to find the distinctions between law and gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.